welcome back masterpiece women to the masterpiece women podcast this is tina rains and i'm so excited to have you with us today and i am excited for you today because i have the great the sensational didi lomanek didi welcome girl hello there good to be here so Ladies, if you have not met Didi, Didi is one of my favorite people. She has been a part of Masterpiece of Women. She's spoken at a retreat last year at our luncheons. She's just a dear friend too. And she is a ministry leader. She has a business. She does comedy. She's an incredible comedian. So she's a little bit of everything. And she is that woman that we all aspire to be because she is not only just an amazing leader, an amazing um, speaker and godly woman, but she's hysterical. So you want to hang out with her as her friend. Like she's just the life of the party. So we're just very thankful to have you, Didi, and would love for you to share a little bit about your story. Who is Didi Lomanik? Where'd you come from? And how did you follow the calling of comedy? Well, that's a great, great question. Um, I grew up as a pastor's kid. And um, if there's not a lot of material to write about as being a pastor's kid, there's some funny stuff there. And (laughs) when I was growing up, I just, not that my parents weren't amazing, but I was like, man, I am never going to marry a pastor. This is so much work. And then I kept my word by marrying a pastor and um, so much church attendance. There's so much required of you. You really have to show up a lot as a pastor's wife. And so I did that for a number of years. And then I got really sick. I had a season where I was very sick. And while I was kind of laid up for several months I had been kind of keeping a little secret hidden board on Pinterest and it was called secret dream and it was about doing stand-up comedy and so while I was laid up I did a bunch of research I read all kinds of stuff it was something I'd always wanted to try and I was watching kind of a master class thing and Jerry Seinfeld was speaking and he said well you know comedy getting getting your opportunities doesn't just fall in your lap you have to go to the clubs you have to go to the bars you have to this you have to that and I (laughs) I could just remember laying in my bed going well first of all I can't get out of bed right now Um, and I have three small children and I'm a pastor's wife so I don't think I'm going to be going to the clubs a lot Jerry after time passed I started getting better the Lord was doing an amazing work healing me Once I got on my feet, literally the exact opposite of what Jerry Seinfeld said happened to me. It literally fell in my lap. Someone contacted me and said, would you like to open for a comedian? And I said, yes, I would. And that was the beginning of an amazing journey, getting to do the thing that I love. And I always say when I got up there for that first time, it was like being home. I felt so calm and happy and like this was right where I knew I needed to be. I love that. That is just so evident when you do that, that you know that you know that you know you're right where you're supposed to be. I remember looking at something. I was consulting for a missions organization and I saw this picture of this child that had been served. And I remember saying to my husband saying, this is exactly where the Lord wants me to be. and It's just such a freeing feeling when you know you're right where you're supposed to be. Amen. 
Amen. And, you know, comedy, humor is, is really just a tool. It's not the end all be all. It's great to have people laugh. It's great to entertain a crowd. But really what I love about comedy is that it, it helps us let down our defenses as a group. It kind of lowers our stress. It helps us see what we have in common. And for me, I use comedy in a very self-effacing way just to joke about what goes on in my own life. I don't ever use comedy to pick on other people or anything like that. It's, it's really just all my stories about things that happen and ridiculous situations I find myself in. But then when you're sitting there with a group of people and they're laughing along with you, it's that beautiful moment where we can come together and go, this is the human condition. This is what we, you know? Well, and I'm sure when you're doing that, so many people can identify with you because they're laughing because like, I get it. I get it. Cause I've heard you several times. And when you do speak and um, yes, it's funny, but so much of the real life experiences that you share, we all share. And it's funny afterwards, but when you're going through it, it may not be so funny, but I love how you take that, you know, pain and that gut. There's some gut-wrenching stuff that happens in our lives, but yet you're able to turn into a way that people can identify and yet relate to you and say, oh, it's okay. It kind of gives me permission to um, deal with this myself. And so one of the things we talk about is authenticity. You and I have talked about it a few times of how imperative it is that we be authentic and you use it in your comedy. So I love that. Yeah. Well, thanks. I, I believe that that's where we need to be moving culturally as, especially as women. Um, I think that culture wants to tell us that women can't work together, that we can't get along, that we're too emotional, that we're all those things. And instead I love to turn that on its head and go, no, when women are right where they're supposed to be using their gifts exactly how they need to, there's nothing more powerful. There's no more powerful force. There's nothing more exciting than watching a bunch of women in their calling, doing exactly what they're supposed to do and doing it together. And when you're in your calling, you don't have time to compare or worry about, oh, what's Tina doing or what's Tina wearing or how does my hair look? you're too busy. It's like when Jesus, you know, his mom stops him and he, he looks at her, he says, mom, I'm, I gotta go. I'm, I'm about my father's business. He wasn't worried about how his robe looked. He was on mission. And that's where I think the power really comes in is when we are on mission, everything else falls away in a beautiful. So true. So true, girl. I love that. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I do well and you know when you think about being on mission I mean God's used you in a lot of different ways you were a pastor's wife so you served your congregation just constantly you have your you have your beautiful ministry that you know you've done in our community where you've brought hundreds of hundreds of women together for these great events And then you have your comedy also, like, I mean, you're a very diverse leader and gifted woman. And I would love to hear, like, when you talk about reinventing yourself, I know you've just gone through a very huge transition in your life. You're still going through it. And yet you're reinventing yourself at our age and going out there and saying, you know, I'm going to follow my dreams and follow my passion and build this 
com comedian um, organization, comedy organization, and go and speak and share and, you know, okay. use your gifts and talents from all of it and put it all into one beautiful ball and go out there and transform the world. So I love that. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about what that's been like for you, Didi, like going through this transition and going to that next step, even when it's a little scary, it's a little intimidating, it's new, but yeah. you're doing it. Yeah. Well, uh, it's not pretty. I can tell you that. It's very scary a lot of the time. And, you know, you referred to me being a pastor's wife. And um, just in the last several months, I have lost my marriage of 27 years. Um, did not want that to happen. Prayed that it would not happen. And I remember having so many people, so many dear friends, you included, Tina, praying and begging God for, for this to be healed for um, God to just intervene supernaturally and months went by and nothing was changing. And I kept praying and I kept praying. And I remember being on my knees in my room one day and I just, I, I didn't realize it until that exact moment. But when I prayed over and over, I caught myself and I realized what I was saying was, I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. And it was like when I finally stopped talking for a millisecond and was just quiet, it was literally as if God put his hands on my shoulders and said, Didi, what about what I want for you? And I just kind of sat back and I thought, how can this be what you want for me? How can this thing be what you want for me? And so I kind of was quiet for, a, for several days. And I said, okay, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand it and I don't want it. But if you want it for me, I will accept it. And so that began the journey of letting go of a life that I had had for almost three decades and transitioning as a 55-year-old woman to becoming single, to not being a pastor's wife anymore, to selling my home and moving to the West coast of Florida, all these changes, thing after thing. And it was like, the Lord kept removing all these pieces from my life. And I was like, I really kind of loved my life. <laughs> and the Lord said, well, if you think you loved that, where do you see what I have in store for you? Girl, I, can I know that he has so many great things in store for you. I know that the life that he has ahead of you is going to be absolutely incredible because he's already showed me that when I was praying for you. Like, I just know that every single thing that you've gone through, he's going to use for his glory. And there's so much more to come. And I can't wait to be with you 20 years from now when we're looking back on how God has used you through the season, after the season, in the midst of the season, and yep. just see the incredible work that he's able to do through you. Yeah, well, and that's, that's the work that only God can do in us. You know, it, it has a lot to do with, um, what's that song? I think it was by 38 Special. It says, hold on loosely, but yep. don't let go. And man, that is so true. You know, 
at the further out I get from things that I've been going through over the last several months, the more I realized that there were certain parts of that life that I almost idolized. Um, I loved it. I loved it so much that I think there were parts of it that I loved more than Jesus. Mm. And um, I loved being in ministry. I loved his church. And through this time, I've had to really reevaluate what I really believe and where my heart is with the church and what, what are the next steps going to look like for me? And I'm sitting here today saying, I don't have all the answers, but I know the one that does. And what I've told my three girls, I have three daughters through this whole thing. I've said, our circumstances have changed, but our God has not changed. That has remained the same. And so that's the thing that I hang on to and sometimes just barely hang on to. But that's the one thing that has remained unshaken in me is I know I'm not forgotten. I know I'm not left behind. And months ago, <clears throat> I had been reading through the book of Exodus because you and I were talking about Exodus, remember? Right. After we had talked, I was like, what book should I study next? So I started studying Exodus, not thinking how it compared to my own life at the time. Exodus, duh, exit, <laughs> hello. Like I, <laughs> I don't know why that didn't connect sooner, but it didn't. But anyway, I'm reading through Exodus and I love so much about it because Moses is totally me. He's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And then he finally surrenders. But then it talks about the pain of the people that he's supposed to be setting free, the Israelites. This is in Exodus 2. It says, um, after a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor and they cried out. And their cry for help because of the difficult labor ascended to God. And here's the part that, that struck me that day and was a game changer. It said, and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant and God saw the Israelites and God knew. He heard, he remembered, he saw, and he knew. And if he did that, then he's doing that now, not just for me and my situation, but Tina, for you, for the women that are listening or watching, this is, this is the God that we serve. Amen. You know, it's so funny because you and I were talking about that because he called me simultaneously to do the study on Exodus on our podcast. And so I did the whole entire Bible. Um, most of the first chapters I did one by one, and then they were two by three different, you know, a couple of chapters at a time and over and over and over, he explicitly shared that with me. And it was interesting though. One of the other things that he gave to me in that study that he just reminded me over and over and over, just as you and I talked about earlier is even that time of just being with him, right? That just that time of Tina, I just need you to be still and be with me and know that. I mean, how many times do they say I'm, I am God, I am. And, um, 
during any kind of building, whether you're building a ministry, you're building a business, there's tough times. You're going through tough personal times. There's tough times. Life gets difficult. And Mm -hmm. yet his promises, just like you said, they remain the same. He is, he is, he is, he is who he says he is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, really just meditate on that and don't get so busy with the things that you need to do to build your ministry or things you need to do to build your business or things you need to do to take care of your family, et cetera. You've, it's got to go back to what is he calling me to do? What mm-hmm. does he want me to hear from him? Cause he is. And one of the funniest things I thought was interesting was when I first launched out in the ministry, the first time he also gave me Exodus. I did a very, very deep dive into Exodus for weeks and weeks because he said I want you to study it and I remember him giving me someone to be my mouthpiece like Aaron like he did for Moses but eventually said okay you're on your own well that kind of happened to me in the ministry I led too Kathy Mm -hmm. Anderson was my Aaron she passed away with pancreatic cancer and I got to lead the whole thing and I was like oh my word but I have to depend on God I have to stay in that sweet place and I kind of feel like that kind of happened with masterpiece women as well. And so it's like, okay, Lord, I'm hearing you loud and clear. You are, you are, you are, and I'm staying right here with you and you haven't changed. So I love those four, those four um, promises that he gives us that, you know, when he strips all those other things away, like through the unbelievably painful passing of your friend that you were leading that with God also came in and said like you said I am you'll rely on me now more than you because you have to yeah and I think God places us in these situations where there is no other option you know when I was at the masterpiece retreat last year um I was speaking to some friends that I hadn't seen for years and one of them came to me between sessions and she said Didi it had to happen this way because you would have never left any other way it had to be the way God did this to put you where you needed to be with him and that was very powerful because she was absolutely right I was a pastor's wife I was a Christian woman I was going to stay married you know just the whole deal and she was like this is how it happened and of course we're skimming over details, which is perfectly acceptable, but there were extenuating circumstances as well. So there, there were things that had to be dealt with. And this was the, unfortunately, the answer to those things. Well, like anything, right. Didi, he doesn't necessarily cause the things, but he allows them. He is, he is, I am, I am, he says, you know, mm-hmm. he allowed it. Um, where, you know, he's sovereign and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And sometimes he uses the very things that the enemy means for destruction. I mean, he says it in his word to be glorified. And this is a perfect example of it. You know, when the enemy would love to destroy families, he'd love to do all the things that he does, but yet in the end, God will use it for his glory. And he's definitely doing that with you. Amen. And you know, I want to be very clear. I'm still in the thick of it. Um, I want women to feel like they can reach out to me if there are women going through anything like this. Um, I haven't, I haven't gotten to the other side of this yet. 
I'm in it. I'm in the, I'm in the desert right now, not spiritually, but in every other way in my life, that's where I'm at. Um, and that has, again, forced me back to God over and over again, turn, you know, literally he's taking my face, you know, a kid, when they want your attention, they grab your face and they, that's sometimes what I feel like God is doing. He's, and, and in the midst of all this, um, my dad, who was a pastor, who was the godliest man I've ever met, precious, um, he got sick and he had a stroke on April 11th. And I was in the middle of moving. We had sold our house and I was packing my home up. The day he had the stroke, I drove over to my mom's and we went to the hospital, stayed with him. He was in the hospital for about four days. He lost the ability to speak. And <clears throat> when I, when they uh, released him from the hospital, put him in a rehab center, I made sure he was settled in the rehab facility. And I ran back home to try to pack more. I ran home. I packed a few more things. I came back. He was declining rapidly. So it was in that moment where I was like, Lord, my house needs to be packed. I don't know how to do all this. What do I do? And all these people said, Didi, we'll pack your house. And so I had 12 friends. I think it was 12 or 14 people over the period of several days, pack up everything I owned and put it in those big container things and all of my belongings are still in storage. My dad ended up passing away on April 26th. And in the middle of that moment where um, they were packing my things and I was trying to figure out what that meant and all these unfinished things, I felt like there were all these goodbyes I didn't get to say. There were all these people that I wanted to hug goodbye and none of that occurred. And God said, I was already moving you because you needed to be here for your mom. So I just moved you a little faster. <laughs> I got, I got John over here. And when my father passed, I was with my mom and we received the call and we were profoundly joyful. Obviously we miss him. Obviously we wept at times, but we were so profoundly joyful. And I was so grateful the second time I was driving back to be with my family, um, all I could think was, Lord, your ways are perfect. Your ways are perfect because he had already put all the wheels in motion to move me from South Florida. And I was already planning on moving to this area. He just gave me a shove, <laughs> made it a little faster. And, um, and so it was as strange as it sounds, it was really beautiful. It was a really beautiful time. So, but God, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when you were talking to me about, uh, we were talking yesterday about, um, you know, reinventing yourself. We had chatted about that. What does that look like? And I have no idea, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I was thinking about that a lot since we spoke and um, I thought, do you remember, you do, but some of you young whippersnappers listening won't remember this, but we used to have cassette tapes 
Remember that? I do. I even remember the eight track tapes. That's really okay. dating us. <laughs> that's right when electricity was invented. I mean, that's way back there. We'd just come out of the caves. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but we had those tapes and I remember I had a couple of tapes and I would sit and listen to like the top five or the top eight at eight or something like that. And I would tape the top eight songs every night because that was, you could do that then. And I would tape over the tape over and over and over. I'd keep taping over until finally there was, I had used those tapes so many times they broke. And I was thinking about that each one of us, we have a tape in our head that plays all the time. And um, it gets recorded. There's a message that God has recorded when we're created, right? It's, it's what your, um, your theme verse is, right? We are God's masterpiece. That is engraved in each one of us. Um, but then life happens. We get around other people and we're all broken and we break each other sometimes, whether we mean to or not. And so we end up believing a lot of things that aren't true about ourselves, aren't true about ourselves and aren't true about God. So then we have to um, sort out, you know, how do you sift through the truth from the lies when you hear things or when you've been abused or when you've been mistreated by your parents or any of those things? How do we do that? And as time has passed, I'm starting to sort through those things in my own life. What lies have I believed about myself for too long? And one of the most helpful things that I use all the time is when that tape starts playing, the one that's full of crap. <laughs> you know that tape, right? Tina? Oh, I do, girl. I do. I know it well. And the enemy loves to try to play that tape in my brain. When that tape comes on, the first thing I do is say, would Jesus say that to me? And if the answer's no, that tape gets shut off. And I'm going to tell you, that's like every other minute sometimes. It is a constant mental battle. But it's not so much right now, this phase of my life. And for so many people, I think COVID and these last few years has been just a lot of upheaval, a lot of change. So it's not just so much that we're reinventing ourselves, but I think what we're getting to is that we're recognizing what's already been there the whole time the imprint that he has in us that's already been there and it's it's kind of like an archaeological dig right we're getting down to the real treasure so we have to in order to get to that place what lies do i believe about myself and about god and what, where are those coming from? You know, kind of figuring it out, doing a little uh, sleuthing, figuring out what those things are and then calling them out. And, and I think, you know, having friends like you, Tina, that I can say, man, this is what's happening. Help me pray with me, pray for me, check in because I think we want to be okay. So desperately sometimes that we lie to other people hmm. because want to be over things you know I was calling a dear friend last night I'm not very impressed with myself right now (laughs) (laughs) well you should be and I'm glad you're on this call because everybody on here is gonna post down below how amazing you are 
because you are. But there's this part of us, right? That we go, that we've got some timeline in our head. Yeah. And cultural culture does too. Well, you know, you should be over this by now. You should be over that loss or you should be over your divorce or you should be over the death of whoever. And you should, and it's like, man, we got to let that go. That's not from God. Oh, I agree. You know, it's interesting. I have another friend that lost her husband recently. He actually passed away and it's been about, I don't know, maybe close to a year now and she's struggling and she's been just in this place of, she's a little paralyzed and, you know, as a grief counselor myself previously with, you know, in nursing, they'll, that's the first thing they teach you. Nobody goes through grief the same. Nobody's going to be in the same. And it comes in waves. Sometimes you're doing fabulous. You're on top of the mountain and all of a sudden you go right to the valley and there's something that grabs you, you know, with a memory, a trigger and the, you go, it's part of the grieving process. And I don't think that we as Christians give people enough permission to just allow them to walk through those emotions because God gave us emotions. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean we don't go through emotions and the loss. And let me tell you, I'm with you, girl. I remember after my divorce, I felt like there was nothing I could do right in business, in personal. I felt like such a loser. I did. I mean, I had to fight for, you know, between counseling and, you know, one of my friends who is a great mentor of mine for years. I mean, she's one of my accountability partners said to me, Tina, think, try to serve, see if going out there and serving others will help you. I'm like, how on earth am I going to serve anybody in this state of mind? Like I, there was just no way I could even fathom it. There was like no way. And so I said, okay, fine. I'll try it. At this point, I'll try anything. I'd already gone through divorce care, done all those practical things was very close to the Lord. And he was drawing me closer and closer and closer, but it was like, oh my goodness, there was just this part of me that I didn't know who I was anymore because you identify yourself as a wife and mother and, you know, you, for you, a pastor's wife and all that goes with it. But I remember starting to serve in my church and helping other women. And I led the singles at our huge church. So there's hundreds of women in this singles group. And I just went thinking, okay, I'll serve, end up leading the thing. And a woman called me and was sharing about, she got married, XYZ happened. And I'm on the phone with her. And it was like, the Lord said to me, you see, this is why I allowed you to go through this because I knew exactly what she was walking through. Cause I just gone through the exact same circumstances in my marriage that she was walking through and it wasn't in vain. And I, I just felt like the Holy spirit said, Tina, I haven't allowed you to walk through anything you've walked through in vain because I want you to use it to help other women. And he has, I mean, from my childhood sexual abuse to my divorce, to infidelity, all those things. I look back now in my seniorness, (laughs) not that I'm that old, but you know, you can see where he was there and the things that he brought you through and then how you're using him. Well, and I, the book of Psalms has become especially dear because as you read them, I love that the the scripture calls David, the writer of the majority of the Psalms, a man after God's own heart. 
And if you read them, David is a hot mess. <laughs> he is. He, he is. is roller coaster of emotion. And what a what a merciful thing God did there, including that in his word for you and for me to see this man was beloved by God and he is one day he's high, the next day he's low, and yet God used him in such an instrumental way and penned those psalms, excuse me, while the phone continues to ring. Um, he used him to give us those psalms that can speak to like the deepest parts of us, you know, about mourning and about joy and about loss and all these different things. It's powerful. And all through his word, he gives us these amazing people who are just like we are, you know, God could have written his word and had just a litany of just superstars that never messed up or that he cut those parts out. And in his mercy, he said, no, I'm leaving them in because the people that need are going to read this are going to be just as messed up and I'm going to use them anyway. Amen, girl. I know if he can use us, he can use anyone. That's why I always tell her, even in, you know, even in our membership program, I left some of my videos that when I first started doing videos, I had no idea how to do. I was so intimidated, so scared to do them. I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I left them. The content was good, but my presentations weren't so great. I just had a lot to learn. It's so funny. But I left those for that exact example of what you're describing is that, you know what? He uses all of us, no matter what stage we're at we can be used and he loves to use us even in our mess, you yep. know, and he doesn't expect perfection. And oftentimes people feel like, well, if I haven't arrived in absolute perfection in my life, well, you're never going to get there till you die. So you might as well give that up now. Uh -huh. He can still use you, right? Yep. Amen. Amen. And that's our great. And then that's the other part is the surrender to allow yourself to be used right? The thing that changed your life and, and turned your situation around was you said, okay, how can I serve even in the midst of this? And that's how God, you know, redeems those things in our lives. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think too, and that's one of the reasons why authenticity is one of our key pillars with Masterpiece Women is that not, I think I know, and I see it all the time, even with yourself, Didi, the transparency, the authenticity that you have shared has been so impactful for the women. I know when you were really going through it at our retreat last year and shared some of your vulnerable, you know, things and your experiences. And so many of the women came to you. I heard them discussing it with you. I heard you know, them talking about it afterwards of how powerful it was to have your realness, to have that authentic self-showing versus you putting on your mask going, oh, I'm all great and I'm funny. And you could have been just this funny presenter who would have done great. You could have brought the word because you do that great. But instead you chose just like you're doing today to share that raw, that real, that vulnerable and take the mask off. And that's what I believe will transform the world is if all of us will take that mask off 
-hmm. throw it aside and just say, I am who I am. And yes, I'm drawing close to Jesus and I'm working on the areas that he's showing me. And um, I'm asking him to change me because I can't change me. Only he can change me. But just being real about it and still being raw because it gives people permission to do the same. And that's when healing comes. So often we put that mask on and we never heal because we're so busy pretending to be whoever, you know, and I look back at my life and I think I shared it actually in our podcast um, I did last week on authenticity. I didn't share my story till I went on my first mission trip to India, where I shared it with the team, I hadn't shared my testimony with anybody. People Mm -hmm. have this picture of me because I was very involved in our community and philanthropy and on all these boards and all this stuff as a leader of just, I must've been spoon fed, you know, had a silver spoon in my mouth and had a great life and blah, blah. When I shared my story to several hundred of my colleagues, right before I went to climb Mount Kilimanjaro the first time, it opened up so many doors because they suddenly saw me as a whole different individual of this real person. And Mm -hmm. I'll never forget Mark Conklin, who was, you know, VP of Chick-fil-A shared at LifeWork Leadership not too long ago, how powerful it was. And it was not, but a few years ago that he shared his childhood with the group because someone asked him a question, oh, you must have had great parents. He's like, uh, no. Um, but it made him realize how all those years as he spoke, he never shared the story of his brokenness as a child. And that has been more impactful than all the great business tools he's been able to share around the world. He right. feels like he's made more impact with that. So I just think it's so powerful that you're doing what you're doing and I would love to kind of hear a little bit of feedback from you of what the people that you do present to, what is it that you hear them giving you feedback in relationship to the authenticity? I just think it's the same idea as you shared. It's just knowing you're not alone, knowing that, you know, other people's kids aren't perfect either, or that your house isn't perfect, or that your marriage isn't perfect, but that you are still you know, you're right where you need to be, even though things might not go the way you hope all the time that we're still, and, and to be able to look at those things and put them in perspective, because that's the other thing I think that humor does really well. It kind of helps us look at some things and laugh at things that would, could potentially be devastating or upsetting. And I remember (laughs) when all this was starting to fall apart, my oldest daughter, which Like you said, at the time, it's not funny at all. So when she said it, I wasn't like, oh yeah, that's great. What a great thing. But she said, mom, think of how much material you're getting from this. (laughs) But that's true because when I share those things from a comedic perspective, it also, it opens a little door to what's really going on in there, right? It, it gives other people permission to go, oh, she's dealing with that and she's having a good time, but also not to present it like, and everything's just a big laugh. It's all just super fun. You know, in my thing that I just finished writing, I wrote a whole new thing of material for some um, shows that I did. And I talk in there about 
um, my prescriptions for antidepressants. And, and I said, yes, just, just now, in case you weren't sure it is antidepressants, plural, there's more than one. (laughs) And that's a reality. You know, I joke about it on stage, but if you've ever been through depression, you know, it's hard. It's scary. It's, it's um, a day-to-day battle. And yet God hasn't chosen to remove that from me, but instead has allowed me to carry that with me and probably to keep him, keep me dependent on him, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a topic that, again, you and I've had this conversation um, when it comes to mental health as Christians, sometimes there's too much of the scooting over it or the, you know, just, um, oh, well, just, you need more Jesus. And the reality as a nurse myself and having, you know, even taking care of mental health patients in the hospital many times, um, it's a re- it's real. Depression is real. And I encourage anyone who, again, has any issues with um, depression or anxiety to, you know, give yourself permission to be okay with it and get the help you need but no, right. it doesn't identify you. That right. is not who you are. That's right. a symptom of a medical issue. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely right. And, you know, when, when people have said, um, I think the church is coming around to it, but it has been a long road for the church to catch up with the mental health discussion. Um, but I remember somebody asking about, you know, just saying, well, pray more. I'm like, believe me, honey, I have prayed. I've prayed and prayed. And, and then I said, are you on any medication? She said, well, I'm on like heart medication. I said, well, then just pray, pray and pray. If you start having a heart attack, just pray. You, you you can stop it. Right. And she was kind of like, I mean, of course (laughs) I wouldn't recommend you guys go around and do that, (laughs) but moments where I was like, you have to, can you hear yourself what you're saying right now? Cause it is not a decision. It is a physiological condition. And some people, God heals, God heals people that have heart problems. God heals people that have mental health problems, but not every time. Amen. Well, it's funny because my same partner that I described that led the other ministry with me, Kathy Anderson called them silver bullets. Um, she had pancreatic cancer and people would pray over her, pray for her, and she wasn't getting healed. And they're like, oh, well, you must have some sin in your life. I'll never forget when this woman said to her, you must have sin in your life if God's not healing you. And she was just like, I mean, her eyes couldn't have been bigger. Her mouth dropped open, right? And she's like, well, I don't think so, but I'll pray about it. Like, what do you say to that? People just sometimes do not think, you know, God chose not to heal her. He healed her. Ultimately, he did answer the prayers. He healed her. He took her to heaven. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. But um, sometimes people, when it comes to medical conditions, they, they just, yeah, they don't think they don't hear themselves. They don't realize that, you know, God's sovereign, just like we talked about Nexus. I am, I am, I am, he says, and Mm -hmm. it's really his choice. He Mm -hmm. chooses our path. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And again, we go back to the Psalms. We go back to David who, 
was a hot mess all the time. And yet he writes this incredible book that we can relate to with our ups, our own ups and downs. And of course, we don't share those things. I don't share my testimony. I don't share about being depressed to glory in those things, right? We don't do that so we can sit in them and wallow in them. We do that because we want people to know they're not alone. That's why. Absolutely. So in that, all that you're walking through in this season and you're reinventing yourself, so to speak, you're launching this um, platform to get out there and do more speaking, to do more engagements in comedy. And I know you've done some at several churches. What is that like for you from a business perspective? Because yes, you've ran ministry, um, but this is more of building a business scenario what are the what are the areas for you, Didi, that um, that you can maybe give a little advice on maybe things that have been difficult that um, you know you needed help and what would be your advice to women that are moving forward to building ministry or business? I would say probably um, three things. One would just be um, know your calling know what your, know what your mission and vision is because everyone's going to have an opinion. So you need to surround yourself with people as a business leader that will encourage you in that vision. And there'll be a lot of other people that will want to enter in and offer their own opinion about what they think you should be doing. But as long as you are in contact with your circle of accountability, and especially with the Lord, you stay with that vision. And there'll be people that will say, it's never going to work. I had people tell me that about Unleashed a few times. They thought it it needed to be a whole different model. And I just believed that this is what God wanted. And as much as I loved certain people, I just said, not going to do it that way. So I'd say that's the first thing is know your mission. And then I think in business, and I'm learning this a lot coming from the ministry side, you know, the nonprofit side of things into a business model, know your worth. You know, we have a real heart. We have a struggle with that in the Christian world where everybody just says, well, it's not in the budget. We just can't, we can't pay you that. And it's like, well, then you shouldn't try to get that person then because the Bible says that a workman is worthy of his hire. So you need to have other people around you that help you understand how to go about defining what that means, you know, figuring out what I I have people that are helping me with putting a fee schedule together and how does that look and saying, this is what you need to ask for. And me looking at them going, I can't do that. (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting you say it because that is a common concern. Even in our membership site, we have these programs helping the women to build an online business. So they, a lot of them are coaches or they want to teach something or they, and they just want to have this continuous income on a monthly basis. And you can really create a membership site from anything you love, anything, you know, anything that you, um, that you have experience with, or that you want to experience you. I've seen it in all these other people who are building online platforms, do it. And so as we are talking about, they're like, well, how much can I charge for a membership for me? Like that is their biggest fear. And it's like, whatever you think you're worth, put it as double because the reality is most people think so much less of what their value is. And so that's a huge point, Didi, because 
people need to understand that they have value to offer to others. Because once you know that and you own it, people see it. And the higher that you actually request them to pay, the more value they think you have, which is an interesting thing, but it's psychological. So that's a huge point that is very important. Yep. So know your, know your mission and vision, know your worth, and then know your limits. Know your limits, know what, if you know what your mission and vision is, then that will help guide and direct you so that you're not trying to do everything. You're not trying to be all things for all people. If this is your niche and this is what you want to do, you might get 500 amazing sounding invitations to do things that are outside of what you're trying to do. So those are no, you don't do those. You stay with what you believe God has called you because I've said this forever. There will always be more to do than we can do. There will always be more opportunities to stay busy, to volunteer, to get paid to do things. And we just need to have that discernment. So know your mission and vision, know your worth and know your limits. Absolutely. And and plan around around it. (laughs) Yeah. And surround yourself with people that help you with that, that when you're starting to Because the other part is, and I'll say this honestly, as a speaker, as a comedian, I can pop into some place and sometimes people think I am just the greatest thing in the world. They think I'm so funny and so humble and so blah, blah, blah. I'm just a per. There's nothing amazing except what God has gifted me to do, but that's him. And so it would be really easy to get sucked up into that world where all I do is take on things because I want to hear how great I am all the time. Right. Oh, so true. That's such a good point. And when you're leading like that or speaking or things like that, people see a certain side of you, but they don't live with you. So you need those people around you that actually really live with you and really know you to say, Oh, come here. Let me, let me keep you humbled a little bit. Let's, let's pull this down a little bit. Shall we? So (laughs) that's a very good perspective. Well, and you think about, you know, knowing your limits, you think about so many people do just like you talked about where they, they get these different opportunities because they like how they make them feel, but they never get to the ultimate goal. They never get to where God's really called them to be because they're so busy doing all these other things. And I really struggled with that in the past. Oh my goodness. That was because I, especially people with big compassionate hearts, like they want to help everybody. And I was a nurse, right? Like I want to help everybody, but even a masterpiece, God's been very specific. You know, it's about leadership. Now, every woman is a leader and our events, especially the local events and our retreats, they're made for every woman because every single woman is a leader, no matter if they're staying home, raising kids, they're leading. If they're you know, building a business, they're leading. It's really to develop who you are as a leader. Um, But in our membership platform, it's really specifically for leaders, but giving people tools to really build business and make an impact in the marketplace. And I struggled with that, even with my niche, because I wanted to be all things, all I wanted, and I do, I have a heart for every woman to know they're a masterpiece. 
But what is it that is that specific thing that God's calling Tina to do? And now when I look at it and I look at different opportunities, even in my schedule, if it doesn't get me to my goal or help me, unless it's saying, God says, I want you to go do this. It, it comes off because it's so busy, you know, or relationships, you know, because that's totally separate. My, my relationships with my friends and my family, et cetera, they, they come first. That's God's, you know, been very clear of making sure my priorities, him and family. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to business decisions or ministry decisions, even I had a really great opportunity recently, and it could be really big for us as far as numbers. And the more I thought about and prayed about, I'm like, Tina, that doesn't really get you to where God's calling you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so no. And I was disappointed that that was the case because it could have been because I'm a little opportunistic, but we've got to be that <laughs> way. I'm just saying, I'm just real. I do. You know, I see an opportunity. I want to go for it, but you can't, you've got to be stellar focused when you're building something. And we love, you know, all of us have it, even not even just speakers or whatever, but there's something that feels like you said, feels really good about being wanted or needed to be at something or to speak at something or to help with something. It feels good. And I remember saying to someone I was really close to that they were chronically over busy, which was affecting other parts of their life. And I finally said, wow, I just don't know how God did it before you came along. (laughs) How did he keep this turning? And what is he going to do when you die? You have just kept this world turning on its axis. And they were kind of like, okay, I guess. (laughs) I love that. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's so, so, so true. It's interesting because every single CEO that I've ever coached has had the issue with time management because they do a lot of that. They just want to be seen, 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 you know, they, and they do all these other things. And then when you look at their schedule, like they're, then they're trying to squeeze all their work and then everything personally gets squeezed out and getting to their goals um, gets to be so difficult at times because they time management is a huge issue because they don't have their priorities straight. Like doesn't get you to your goal. You really need, I remember Darren Hardy who from success magazine said it's the devil's vortex. Like, Anything in your schedule that is not getting to your mission and calling, it's the devil's vortex and you got to see it as that and cut it out. So, yep. um, yep. awesome. And, and it, that even goes to how you put your schedule together. You know, you block out time because the time isn't just going to magically appear. So if my family is my priority, then I block out that time. And that's just something is already on my schedule. Absolutely. Oh, well, I can move that because it's not really an appointment, right? So this is good. This is good stuff. You you should do something with all of this, Tina. This is really good. I think (laughs) I will do something with all of this, Dee Dee, and I'm glad you're doing it with me. (laughs) Maybe like women, um, I don't know, like masterpiece women, something like that. What do you think? I think that might be a great idea, Dee Dee. (laughs) 
Well, you're what do you say we invite all the women that are hearing this? Because there's only a few spots left to join us at the retreat so they can be with us for the weekend and grow and have fun and laugh and grow and have fun and laugh. <laughs> Is there going to be food? Let's get down to what really matters. Lots of food. Good Woo-hoo! food, actually. Well, I'm excited. And I do hope that uh, if there's or if there are women out there that are wondering if they should go. I hope that this is an encouragement just to do it. Yeah. Set that aside and do it. Yeah. My prayer has been, Lord, let it fill up in um, June, July at the very latest so that we have our group so that we can start getting to know each other and get our Facebook group going so we can really, you know, have some fun with each other before we even get there and build relationships that will be lasting. That's the beauty of even last year's retreat. And the women that were there, you know, we had such an intimate time and we're doing the same concept this year, just small, intimate and deep. So I'm excited to have you. I'm excited to have you on this podcast. And ladies, I don't know if you heard Didi mention, but you know, if you're going through something tough and you just want to have a sounding board, Didi's phenomenal at um, doing that. All her contact information will be below on the podcast. and reach out to her and join our community because we do have an incredible community of women leaders growing together, thriving together, holding each other accountable, being real, taking the masks off. So you don't want to miss it. Join us at on our website, masterpiecewomen.org. And thank you for listening today, ladies. And thanks for being here, Didi. We love you dearly, love, dearly. Love you. Thank you. Absolutely. See you on the next broadcast, ladies.